0: Well, I'm very familiar with you and your family. I have no way of knowing if you are familiar with who I am. Are you aware of my existence? Yes. This is good. <laughs> now, are you aware of the job I've been ordered to carry out in France? Yes. Well, please tell me what you've heard. I've heard that the Fuhrer has put you in charge of running up the Jews left in France, Why are they hiding or passing for Gentiles? The Fuhrer couldn't have said it better himself. But uh, the meaning of your visit, pleasant though it is, is um, m- mysterious to me. The Germans looked through my house nine months ago for hiding Jews and found nothing. I'm aware of that. I read the reports of this area. But like any enterprise, when under new management, there's always a slight duplication of efforts. Most of it being a complete waste of time, but needs to be done nevertheless. I just have a few questions, Monsieur Lapelite. If you can assist me with answers, my department can close a file on your family. Now, uh, before the occupation, there were four Jewish families in this area, all dairy farmers like yourself, the Dolorac, the Roland, the La Vite, and the Trafutses. Is that correct? Uh, to my knowledge, those were the Jewish families among the dairy farmers. I could uh, would it disturb you if I smoked my pipe? Oh please, Monsieur Lapet, this is your house. Make yourself comfortable. Now, according to these papers, all the Jewish families in this area have been accounted for except the Talfuses. Somewhere in the last year it would appear they've vanished. Which leads me to the conclusion that they've either made good their escape or someone is very successfully hiding them. What have you heard about the trifusis monsieur Lapadite? Only rumors. I love rumors. <laughs> Facts can be so misleading. Were rumors true or false? Are often revealing. So monsieur Lapadite, what rumors have you heard regarding the trifusis?
1: Squadcast Movies. This is the podcast where we review and discuss the films that we love to watch.
0: Yeah, we're passionate about quality filmmaking and we want to share it with you. So thanks for joining us tonight let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are The Squadcast. We're back after finally releasing our Glengarry Glen Ross episode, (laughs) and so that means that tonight is Tim's choice.
1: Yes, it is my choice. I thought you meant my choice about what we're going to reveal at the end, because that'll be your choice.
0: Oh, that's my choice. No, no. no. The even numbers are my movies.
1: (laughs) That is true. Yeah, just as a reminder, what we do is, uh, you know, we're picking films that we just love, and, uh, you know, we just kind of want to share them with you, and and, uh, I really try to promote things that we think are great films that you know are maybe a little bit maybe a little bit off the beaten path i mean you know they're they're i think they're generally known as great films but
0: you know but i feel like that a lot of times when we pick movies people aren't talking about them anymore like at one time they would have been the talk yeah and we want to bring that talk back yeah absolutely
1: yeah so this is our fifth episode we've done four up to this point in fact we recorded four of these things kind of in short order over a period of i think a couple two to three months maybe two months i think yeah yeah two months and then uh you know because we did it when, you know, the pandemic started to hit early in April and May and probably into June. And, you know, when news was starting to get slow and we just started, you know, recording some of these to bank them. And, you know, it it, uh, it, it actually started getting a little bit busy. Uh, and so we, we finally just published Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross.
0: Because we finally needed something to fill in a hole.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was actually kind of fun to go back to listen to. That was, such a, that was such a fun review.
0: Oh, it's such a good movie.
1: And what we do at the end of these reviews is, you know, Scott and I go back and forth and... Uh, you know, either Scott or myself will surprise the other with uh, what film we're going to review next. I have no idea what Scott's going to pick,
0: and I've had this thing picked since June. Like since I've June. been waiting <laughs> to tell Tim about this movie, and he was, and I felt like it, it, his guessing at the end of Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I felt like I'm not sure if it made it on air or not, but it was like, oh, you're you're getting you're getting warm, <laughs> you're getting, getting warm. warmer. Okay.
1: okay, okay, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear it. But like, let's get on with this. I think you know, I I, I want to talk about this film. I know,
0: right? Yep. So, but before that, okay, standard announcements. Squadcast Media. Of course, we have our normal main show, the DC Film Squadcast, talking about DC movies and television and comic books and whatever when there's stuff to talk about. When there's not, we do this show, Squadcast Movies. Then we have DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, including Chris's solo show, The Horror Comics Podcast, newly acquired into the Squadcast Media family. We got DC TV Squadcast that will eventually publish an episode at some point in the future who knows when that will happen go on get on that Ray we have fans without borders with Brent and Ray and Marvel Squadcast has started publishing episodes again with Brent and Brock triumphant return
1: yes all right well that's it guys um, you know those are the shows in our network go go give them some support go give them some listens uh, you know we have a, I think we have a really strong team in this network I would say the six of us and and some contributors as well so also guys if you would like to help support what we're doing in this network you can go to patreon.com slash and at the five dollars a month tier you get full access to our entire catalog of extra content which is probably around 350 pieces of content I think at this point
0: man we're coming at 400 aren't we
1: yeah yeah we're getting up there so but we have a couple shows that we do now we've got the patreon version of this show which we call squadcast movies patreon and in that we've published 43 episodes now
0: 44 is in the can
1: 44 the is <laughs> in the can we've got 43 episodes which are movie reviews of comic book films of all time we're reviewing every single film of all time
0: it's it's crazy why do we do this to ourselves <laughs> we, we do it for the people
1: for the people for the people
0: i will never let that one go no that is, that is a classic it. <laughs> and then of course we also have fans of the borders plus where ray and i just review random movies that we feel like reviewing that have come out that are usually like off uh, not comic book related a lot of times you know our last review was enola holmes uh, the next one is actually going to be kind of a twist because tim and i might end up being the ones that review the boy's Season two, because I've seen all of season two. You've seen all of season two. Ray has not seen all of season two. Wah wah wah!
1: And I have seen the glorious ending to season two. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Oh my gosh, that show! We
0: will be talking The Boys very soon. Special lineup, just just you wait. Yeah, it's coming. coming. patreoncom media Absolutely.
1: Okay, guys, we are gonna do a review tonight. We are reviewing 2009's movie from. Quentin Tarantino in Glorious Bastards. Oh,
0: okay I saw this thing in theaters yes I did too I saw it with okay now question when in 2009 did it come out because it surprised me when I looked at the copyright date when I finished watching the movie today and I was like oh man this thing did come out in 2009
1: yeah I mean it hit the United States uh, end of August in fact it was August 21st end
0: of August okay so I was so I was married I was married <laughs> at the time I got married in 2009 that's yeah. the reason because I saw this movie with my brand new blushing bride and her parents it was her parents idea to go see this movie
1: okay how did it go
0: over. Oh, I mean, my father-in-law loves World War II movies. Sure, sure. I mean, you kill a bunch of Nazis. Nazis. Not Nazis. Nazis. Nazis, not Nazis. Na- Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> you kill some Nazis. My uh, my father-in-law is going to be happy. I'm just going to say that right now. Awesome. So, I I have enjoyed this movie since day one. Ugh. So, when you picked this movie last time, I was so excited.
1: Oh, I was I was too. I mean, I, I you know, I, I this is I think the fourth time I've seen this film.
0: And it's actually been a little while. Oh, I know I've seen it more than that. Yeah, it's been a little while since I've seen it, it. No, it has been a while for me as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's been a little
1: while since I've seen it, so it was uh, it was a fun rewatch, but my gosh, I, I, this I think, and I'll just put this out there up front to give you an idea of what I think about this film, I believe that this is my favorite
0: Quentin Tarantino film. Okay, I was wondering about that myself today, because as I was watching the movie, I was like, where, where does this rank? <laughs> I, I, I'm. It's possibly top three. It's not, it's not my favorite. I still feel like Kill Bill in its entirety is my favorite. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, one and two are great. I mean, those are great films. But for me, this one ranks as number one because it's got all the the kind of signature flair and quirks and little artistic uh, touches that you get with the Tarantino film. But this is his best cinematic film, which is to me, in, in my opinion, because I, I kind of feel like this has the best all around kind of feel from start to finish. It, it, it To me, it was a very nice, complete story because, and I think it what is it in five parts if I remember
0: right it's five chapters five chapters yeah uh
1: and I and I felt like it it very naturally flowed from one chapter to another and in fact if you kind of look at the five chapters I could take any one of those chapters and I just thoroughly enjoy what he was able to do in just that one chapter but yeah I mean for me um the way I feel right now you know and I might feel differently if I go back and revisit some of the other films but I mean to me this was I think my most overall satisfying experience in a Tarantino film
0: I can't argue with that like you know I'm I'm not that's not one of the these—it's not like a dangerously hot take that I'm going no. to like look at you and go, "How dare you!" No, I'm sitting here going, "I know, I, I, I respect that. I, I, I get that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that there's definitely two of the five chapters that stand out the most as my overall most enjoyed portions of the film. Definitely chapter one. I mean, who, who cannot appreciate when the world was introduced to Christoph Waltz? <laughs> I know. I, I mean, the scene with the French dairy farm in the cottage that that's just that should just be a short film by itself it, like, it really that, should it is it, it, it is just this beautiful little piece of filmmaking that could exist independent of the rest of the movie
1: yeah absolutely I, I agree 100% uh, that might be my favorite as well I you know I, I, I enjoy that so much and it was such a great way to start out the film and it was so reminiscent of the good the bad and the ugly have you seen that film
0: oh I I own it but I have I own the entire Man with No Name trilogy, but I have I have not delved into that yet. Yeah, and I need to,
1: which would not be surprising because I mean we we obviously know Quentin Tarantino uh, is a huge fan of spaghetti westerns and and you know that whole era. In fact, the Universal logo at the beginning is the logo from the 1960s. It, it like it wasn't today's logo. It wasn't a logo back from the 40s. It was a logo that was prominent in the 1960s. And um, the opening scene of the good bet, good the bad and the ugly is very reminiscent. The whole thing, um, and I, and it's been a while since they've seen the film but like it it, it was the same thing where there's a family the enemy comes up the family's dismissed and then you just have this like kind of interview between the two characters and it ends in like a, it ends in like in a bloodbath
0: <laughs> pretty much the same way so well i mean what w- one it's just amazing that i mean because christoph waltz won the oscar for this movie i mean and absolutely deservedly so deservedly <laughs> and, and the fact that he is fluent in all of these languages <laughs> that he's speaking in the movie i mean uh-huh. he, he, i mean The man in this movie goes through at least four languages. I mean, German, French, Italian, and English. Right. And the here's the brilliance, not only in the performance, but also in the way that that opening scene was written. It starts off in French because you know uh, Colonel Landa is is speaking to a French farmer. Uh, He eventually says he's run out of things that he can say in French, so can we transition to English? Which one just seems like a really inventive way to get rid of the subtitles right absolutely that's what you think until it's revealed this entire time he knows where the jews are hiding and he's doing this because oh it's obvious these jews don't know english so this entire conversation we're having they have no idea what's going on right and and when that happens you thought it was just a cute little gimmick to get rid of the subtitles and then you realize it's actually like a plot point (laughs) in the scene and you're like damn quentin you you just outdid yourself
1: right here yeah bravo that that is a that's a that's a masterpiece right there what he just did with that scene the i, I want to get back to walt i mean him as a as an actor like, i cannot believe how much i enjoyed his character and i hate to say that i enjoyed it because he's a despicable <laughs> he's a despicable person
0: he's an ss officer of course He's, he's
1: a, yeah and you know obviously a very very bad person but my god was he a joy to watch i mean yes. like the the his his um not only the way he inflected his voice and the way he delivered all of his lines in the four different languages throughout this whole film but like his mannerisms and
0: his facial expressions
1: oh it was it was just i mean i i could just sit there and watch it over and over
0: well there's a reason that that gif from the end of the movie where he goes right. "Ooh, that's a bing <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, oh my God, who are you? And it and and he's just continued to entertain in the films that he's gone on. I mean, I think the last time I saw him in a movie was when he played, you know, spoiler alert for an old movie, but when he plays Blofeld Inspector. Yeah, <laughs> and and we're supposed to see him again in No Time to Die whenever that movie comes out. Right. Oh, and I just, I mean, I, there's even a terrible movie that I've never finished because the only scenes I can watch are the ones with him in it, and it was that really awful Green Hornet movie Mm. with Seth Rogen. Can't finish the movie for the life of me. I've made it 20 minutes in like three times and can't do it. But the opening scene with Christoph Waltz and James Franco, I can watch that all day.
1: (laughs) Well, you'll get your chance to finish off that film at some point. (laughs)
0: Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I've tried, man. I've tried. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, but I mean, just getting back to how he delivered his lines, like uh, the one that I was thinking of in in this opening chapter um, where he goes, I love rumors. You know, said it, I can't even begin to deliver the line. I love rumors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it was it was just uh, it was so great, and uh, and I it just has all that that Tarantino esque way of just kind of like building up, building up to the end of the scene, you know, with conversation, and it just slowly kind of builds up. And it's tension. It's tension. Yeah.
0: It the, the, it the suspense, and all they're doing is talking. They're just talking. Like, he's not threatening him. He's actually probably at that point. The only thing that really makes him threatening is the fact that he's a Nazi SS officer. Nothing about Christoph Waltz's stature is imposing or threatening. It's just his position that is threatening. But the way that he just goes through the scene, and then there's that turn, and you just see the lights go out in his eyes, and you're like, yep. "Damn, you're an evil, boy." <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, and even in that scene, when they, you know, when it when it kind becomes obvious that you know this family is is hiding another Jewish family underneath the floorboards, they do the thing where he he pans down and he goes down, you know, uh, along his leg and then it goes through the floorboards and then you see the the poor family underneath you know just trying to do everything they can to be quiet and hide and uh, it was just oh man the whole scene like uh, you really could you could just sit there and just watch just that
0: well because something I mean when Quentin Tarantino is at the height of his powers it's these scenes that are like watching stage plays because it's just the dialogue and the camera just rotates around and you get a lot of these long shots because the scenes are allowed to breathe because it's just about the two actors talking and having a performance right
1: no it was it was great uh what was so what was the other
0: chapter that really spoke to you Uh, the fight in the basement who (laughs) goes into a basement i'm I'm sorry watching sassbender (laughs) as the englishman doing the german and having that tension that tense scene with that smug gestapo officer, or, no he was SS because he was wearing the black uniform um, but that whole thing and, you know, it, it's just it, it it's Fassbender, it's just watching Fassbender perform and to realize that all, like this character that you just met five minutes ago, oh he's dead, those two bastards that you just got introduced to a couple chapters ago, oh no th- everyone in that room <laughs> except for one person yeah. is dead by the end and it was so unexpected. Yeah,
1: you know I had special satisfaction from that Scene because I used to work for a German company and so I, I worked with a lot of German nationals and uh, the the counting, I was ve- very much well aware of how oh, of that. <laughs> yeah, the one, two, and three. And so when that popped up on the screen and you could see like, um, you could see the, the uh, SS, um, when you saw the SS officer's response or you could see the look on his face, like I knew exactly what had happened and I don't know if, if that was as obvious just because I, you know.
0: Right, that, that you you had the special information because i was going to wonder is that really a thing
1: it is really a thing absolutely yeah it absolutely is because i I used to see it all the time and uh and so like i got special satisfaction out of that because i knew exactly what tarantino had just done there and uh, and from from my standpoint i was like oh that's just brilliant so it
0: did i because you're watching it because it's like he gets onto him about his accent i even love the point where he's like he's talking to like the other two and he's like okay lieutenant frankfurt and major (laughs) and major munich yeah (laughs) i was like he's pointing About based on their accent, but where, but, but what is what are you? <laughs> I mean, even the scene leading into that with Fastbender's having the scene with Mike Myers, you know, with Churchill weirdly sitting in the corner <laughs> that was strange, yeah, that was so strange, yeah. But that, even, even that, like, the, the, the whole little bit that Fastbender gets, I I mean, it, it's the characters, and, and that's what makes this movie are the characters you enjoy watching their characters that these actors create and the performances, and you listen to Fastbender talk and you. You can tell he's he's putting on airs, like he's playing the the stereotype of a British officer mm-hmm. during World War II. Right. Because you've heard Fassbender in other movies, he's like, he doesn't sound like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I love the scene at the end when he finally just goes, Well, if I'm going to go, I might as well go out speaking the kings. There's a special rung in hell for someone who wastes good scotch. And I'm going to be rapping on the doors pretty soon. Mm, good stuff. You know, just like... Bang, bang, bang. just, you know, say goodbye to your Nazi boss. It's just, it's just, it's just the whole scene. It's it's just this... And once again, it's that tension of what is going to happen? Because yeah. all people are doing are talking to each other.
1: You know, every single scene, I think, just had that giant amount of tension. I mean, so you had, you know, the opening one in chapter one, obviously, you had, um, you know, had Walt sitting at the table with um the, the Frenchman. You know, a lot of very tense scene there um the second one where um the bastards were interrogating the one german officer <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wants to die for country oblige him oblige him, ob- oblige
1: him. <laughs> uh yeah i mean and that one is great too because when they v- finally brought out the um the, the bear jew bear jew. yeah <laughs> well just the whole tension like you know you see this black tunnel and you just hear him kind of like rubbing that bat and banging that bat against the wall and all of a sudden it just starts speeding up and then he comes charging out and they
0: just
1: whack <laughs> so i mean that was like really good and then the whole thing when Soshana was at that dinner party that she got pulled into and then
0: oh god with the strudel Hans
1: Landa yeah shows oh. up again <laughs> so that one is there as well the, uh, the whole thing with Operation Kino where you know this is the one you were talking about where they're at the table you know down in this <laughs> this bar in the basement Su- super intense amount of tension there and then of course at the very end you know you, you don't know exactly what's going to happen when uh you know Hans Landa is there with um, uh, Aldo Randall
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Aldo the Apache.
1: Yeah. And then Utovich, who was uh, played by B.J. Novak. I mean, there was, so there was a ton of tension there. And then, like, in general, like, you just didn't know what was going to happen. Like, you know, and this is the thing with the Tarantino movie. You, you can't you can't have any idea where this thing is going to go. <laughs> like, it's completely unpredictable.
0: No, because you're talking about a movie that ends with the entire third right <laughs> high command getting right. killed, like, right after D-Day.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing I kind of love about this film. It wasn't as much that this was, like, a fantasy film. It was a more of like a what if film like
0: it's alternative history
1: it's alternative history but it's alternative history like you know uh, and I saw like a, a Tarantino interview about this at one time and it was like I, I remember him saying like it was more about like what if these characters really did exist like this literally could have happened you know like if there was this uh a Zoller guy who was this big war hero kind of like an Audie Murphy you know United States uh, soldier Audie Murphy which we made a which we made a big film about
0: well and they also referenced Sergeant York Sergeant York right yeah because that's World War One, but he but you know they reference him and then I also think about the, uh, what is it, the enemy of the war. there was that Jude Law movie where he's like the Russian in Stalingrad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, but that idea that, you know, the sniper mm-hmm. you know, those those always made big time war movies right. was the sniper hero.
1: And so that was kind of like Tarantino's point, like, you know, if there had been like a, a German war hero like that, then there probably would have been a film made about the you know, about him. And then there would have been like this big thing where they would have made a big event event out of it to premiere this film so he's saying like if if these characters had existed like it could have actually gone this way which i which i think is kind of a fun way of doing this alternative history Mm -hmm. exactly but i mean i mean let's face it like that's the other thing too is like you know when it comes to you know me having no sympathy for people getting viciously beat down and killed it's basically for me it's like okay nazis (laughs) that would be one uh the other one would be like child molesters like either one of those two characters like i would have no trouble
0: I've, oh no! Th- those are those movies. Like when you when you hear about like if if you go to prison, all you have to tell them is that he's a child molester, and that guy is dead in five minutes. Right, right. Because even criminals go. Even they have a code. Even they have a code. And you're like yeah. you suck. <laughs> you're Nazis. You know. That's how you can get away with burning them, shooting them, beating them. I mean, it's, scalping them. Yeah, it's scalping them. I mean, because Tarantino lives in this sort of neo exploitation film landscape. I mean, making a war. World War ii movie was great because everyone loves you watching killing Nazis. 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 (laughs) Nazis. I'm gonna. I got in this war. Kill some Nazis. (laughs) Oh, it was. I'm sorry. Brad Pitt is just. (laughs) He is such a caricature in this movie, and yet he is so damn entertaining. I don't care. I mean, I can be fairly critical of really awful Southern accents. I mean, it just. it, It. It's. It's a thing. Obviously, you're always particular about your region. But I didn't care, yeah, because it he was it wasn't him doing a bad Southern accent. It was him doing a caricature of a Smoky Mountains accent, and that's a special kind of accent.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, he had all the you know he had all that like good old American charm, you know that Brad Pitt just kind of has, which was great. Oh, yeah. He was a great contrast to uh, Stanton and you know Hans Landa. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it it was great to kind of see him be kind of like an equal stereotype to the way that Hans Landa was played. And like some exactly. of the lines that he delivered was just great. <laughs> you probably heard we ain't in the prisoner of taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. And cousin, business is a boomin'.
0: <laughs> business is a boomin'. You know, yeah. Arifa Dercey. Yeah. I speak I speak Italian first best. He speaks Italian second best. He speaks Italian third best. I don't speak any Italian. That's why I said third best.
1: <laughs> that was great. And even Eli Roth like uh, some of the lines, he, like when he was doing the, um, what was he saying at the end, where he was like trying to do the stereotypical uh, Italian. Oh,
0: <laughs> I, I, if I can remember his, the, the the alias name he had, <laughs> and Londa just trying to let the music roll off of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, it was uh it was just a great cast of characters. Um, the only one that I had a tiny bit of problem with, and I and I really, it actually is not as bad as it was early on. But Bj Novak because. He was like so distinctly known for the office at the time. Like he kind of stood out like a sore thumb to me. But now when I you know who BJ Novak is? Uh
0: wait, he was the little man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, he was called the little uh what what do they call him? The little man, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I forgot I was I was I was very shocked about how how tall you actually were. I mean you're not <laughs> you're just average, but you're not like dwarfish small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No, he was the one seated next to obviously Brad Payne the there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the one that kind of like stood out a little bit to me, but like when I watch it now. It, it doesn't really jump out at me as much because, like, for me, I kind of have him detached from The Office. Yeah, I just
0: love the, I think this is my masterpiece. <laughs>
1: well, I think that was such a great line, and to me, that was, like, Tarantino really kind of talking to audience. Yes. Because yes. I, when I saw that, I'm like, yes, I agree with you. I think this is your masterpiece, <laughs> Tarantino. Very
0: meta for you, huh?
1: It was, and, and I, to me, I, I, don't, I don't see that as, like, uh, coincidental. I kind of feel like that was really Tarantino's, like, he wanted that to be his last message in the film. Because really, this film is overall. This film, obviously, you know, aside from like the setting and the fantastical nature of it, you know, the um, the what if kind of fantasy uh, story here, it really is a commentary about film, you know, and about cinema.
0: But isn't that like almost every Tarantino movie?
1: Yeah, I mean, this one, uh, I kind of feel like this one more so because I mean, specifically, it was you know, um, like one of the one of the spy people, uh, Fassbender's character, wasn't he like a film critic?
0: Right, he's a film critic before the war. Yes, yeah, and then it was
1: involved around a Cinema, you know, over in France. And, I
0: feel like the only one that goes more than this is is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, but I mean that, but that's a lot more like obvious there. You know what I mean? Because that one's like set in Hollywood.
0: Well, no, I'm I, I'm not I'm not denying that, but I'm thinking because of the obviousness, like yeah. That's true. That's you know, but you know, it takes place in a cinema. You know, the fact that they use nitrate film as right. the as the catalyst to burn the burn the movie theater down. You have characters who are drawn together because of their love of movies. Right, you know, I I agree, but once again, it plays very well into Tarantino's wheelhouse. Yeah, no,
1: it was a uh, it was such a good film. Like all the interactions at the the dinner party,
0: I thought were great.
1: You know, where uh, was it Zoller? Was that was the character's name?
0: Yes, the the uh, the German sniper. Yeah,
1: like when he first like tried to talk to her when she was up putting up uh, the letters at the theater, and then of course when the he the marquee, yeah, the marquee, and then when he came into the little cafe where she was sitting, like all those were really nice kind of. Because they, it really kind of made you feel like you know a little bit sympathetic for him as a character, and then like his true self kind of came out a little bit
0: later. Oh, but I love the fact that his true self comes out like two minutes before he gets shot. Yes. <laughs> Like that—that was—I'm uh, gonna be honest with you—I forgot about the turn his character took because it had been so long since I'd seen the movie. So when I was rewatching it tonight, and that turn happened, I went, "Oh yes, that." Nah. Because I was like, at some point, I was like, "He's going to die," and I don't remember us feeling bad about it. But but like once again, I just got caught up in the movie, and then it happened again. And that's what I love about when you take a long time off from a movie—the movie can surprise you again. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's weird. It's like it—it's a two and a half hour long movie, but it's also a deceptively straightforward, simple movie in some ways. Because you just have the little chapters that are basically just extended scenes. So the movie almost feels like it plays out in like five scenes.
1: It really does. It, you know, it doesn't feel like two and a half hours. Like, I no, mean, I've had, not, no. I've had some of these movies that we've been reviewing, you know, for our Patreon show that, like, it's an hour and a half long film. And I'm just like thanking, <laughs> you know, thanking God that it's only an hour and a half long. Yes. And this was one where, like, I could have I watched five hours of this. And you know, it's Tarantino, and he could have given you five hours. You could have, yeah. Yeah. And this one doesn't this one does not feel like two and a half hours. It, it really No, it's, it's so
0: well paced. It is, it is.
1: And it's just because I'm the kind of person that enjoys the the build up of the dialogue in the interaction. And I enjoy listening to the conversation, kind of see how things are being steered a certain way. And and he does that so masterfully uh throughout this entire film, pretty much in every conversation. Mm-hmm. Which is again is which is very much a Tarantino thing.
0: I mean, so you were the one who chose this movie. I mean, so so what what else what else is there that like you even said it, it's been a while since you've seen the movie. So, what what brings you back to this movie when you when you get? How do you get the itch to watch? Um,
1: you know, it's to me, it's just satisfying. It, it's it's satisfying uh, almost on a um, almost a visceral sense. It's it's not like it's a different kind of satisfaction. Like it's not like watching something like Die Hard or something like that, which is you know satisfying just because I just want to see
0: boom boom bang bang.
1: Yeah, it, this one is just satisfying because it's the the pacing, the dialogue, the characters, the the exploration of the like the what if kind of scenario you know what if it had kind of gone this way like that to me was was just so much fun to watch i mean i i think you know since it had been a while since i've watched this thing uh my big takeaway on this thing was you know the hans landa character christopher Christoph waltz uh watching him throughout this entire film was just such a joy to watch mm-hmm. i, I there, every little scene that he was in i i just got a little bit excited when knowing it like oh he showed up like when he was at the, the little dinner party And suddenly he showed up. I was like, oh here we go. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get more of this.
0: Well, I mean, he he literally stole the movie from everyone. He did.
1: What an unbelievable find I know. that they had to get this guy.
0: <laughs> I mean, I will always be grateful for this, for this movie just for bringing this actor into my life. Yeah. Just simply put. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I to me, it's like uh, all the characters and even like some of the characters I wouldn't have expected, like, you know, Eli Roth. I mean, he's just a director, you know, he, he did the movie Hostel, which I've only seen one time because because that's all I could take of it. It disturbed me so much. <laughs> but it's just like seeing him come in and, and take on this role uh, was just surprising to me. Like, I, I didn't expect uh, I was going to enjoy his character that much. And every little character, a little fast I thought was great. Mike Myers making an appearance I thought was fantastic, you know, because Mike Myers can be a tremendous actor, actually. <laughs> yes, he can. You know him as being like a comedian, you know, like a, an absurd comedic actor. But no, I mean, he, he actually played a really nice role in this. And uh, that was kind of fun to watch. And and I don't know. Every single character, the, uh, what was her name? Diane Kruger, who was the actress. Yes. She was yes. great to watch. Um, and then, uh, and I, I have to look up her name. Who was the, uh, it's uh, Melanie Laurent. She was the Shoshana?
0: Yes, who played uh, Shoshana Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh,
1: she was just, um, she was a joy to watch as well.
0: And she was a very interesting character. I will admit, through no fault of her performance, her storyline was some, of if there was any part of the movie where i was just less interested in what was going on it was her but i don't see that as a fault of her performance i just feel like her scenes especially especially like in chapter five just weren't that interesting like her her her, when she was given scenes with hans landa or the scenes with zola like I felt like she had more to work with and more to play off of. And I just wasn't feeling that towards the end of the movie because I think towards the end of the movie, it's more just about the plot. It's more about the plan coming together. And so she wasn't really given like some meaty dialogue scenes to, you know, to really chew into.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of see what you're saying, but I, I I don't feel like she had to be that. Like, I think overall the idea of like, you know, the horrors that this girl went through and then her finally kind of having this chance to get this revenge at the end or just be part of it. I mean I I was fine with that being her arc. Like I didn't need to see I didn't need to see witty dialogue. I didn't need to see her being able to go toe to toe um you know with uh with Landa. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I, I could see what you're saying, but I I still really enjoyed kind of watching her character on on you know the screen throughout this.
0: Like I guess it's just subjectively like sure. we're talking about where when my attention is just not as strong. That I mean if I'm being honest, that's where it is. Yeah, sure.
1: Uh <laughs> what was up with Landon's ridiculous pipe that he had? Oh my god. <laughs> Really? I mean, it's just like, this,
0: this, just it's like, show me mine, I'll show you yours. I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was, it was probably a, a, a touch of ridiculousness that was to help cut the tension in that scene right before it and right back up again.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was, that does make a lot of sense because it, 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 the tension was kind of building up and all of a sudden that comes out and you're like, it kind of catches you a little bit off guard. And then it ends very Tarantino-ish.
0: Well, it's kind of like, you know, the scene he had, has with dreyfus where it's like he's like talking about the strudel and they have to wait for the cream and like and 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 tarantino even takes the time to like photograph them scooping the cream and putting it on the strudel and then like and you have an entire scene of just watching hans landa basically just eat a strudel and drink a scuff you know (laughs) it's it's the it's the weird absurdities that are so kind of real life that cut the tension of oh my god what's gonna happen because like during the scene with the strudel you're always wondering is he going to recognize, is the Jew hunter going to recognize Dreyfus after all this time? Does he know? No, he doesn't. No, but Does he know? <laughs> you know it's just, So I feel like the, the ridiculous pipe was just kind of like a, a gag to make you breathe a little bit before the massacre happens.
1: Yeah, the little parallel with Cinderella as well, you know, finding yes. the shoe, which I've, I found kind of interesting uh, elements that he threw into that. I don't know. Do you enjoy it, Scott? You glad I picked this one. Oh, my.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you picked Like I said, it's been too long since I'd seen it. <laughs> yeah. And once Same again, here. not a you know, you, there's always those movies you love, but for some reason you just, you don't go back and revisit them as often as you would like, and, and it's amazing to think this movie's 11 years old. I was just like, seriously? I know.
1: This feels like it just came out. I can't believe I how know. quickly time flies.
0: <laughs> but then there were also, like, GIFs I've been seeing on the internet that go, oh yeah, that's from this movie, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like, like, like uh, Dreyfus's laughing face as the screen is burning down. I was like, oh, I see that all the time. I forgot <laughs> it was from this movie. Yeah.
1: That one made me think of Metropolis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, which wouldn't be surprising. I mean, Tarantino's like known for pulling scenes directly from a lot of old films. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Because like, his movies always end up being like love letters to cinema. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. It was really fun to watch this one again. It. it it's. Uh, it, it's nice to kind of have an excuse to go in and, and really put this thing on distinctly, just to, to know that we're going to be paying attention to it and reviewing it. I. I this is one that I probably want to throw in about every year or two, and just put it on there again, you know, just to watch it. Well,
0: now it I kind of makes me want to have. Have like a Tarantino binge, yeah, just so that I can kind of like <laughs> settle my okay, what is my hierarchy of yeah. Tarantino vs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have to do that too because I mean, I've, I've pretty much enjoyed almost every Tarantino film, and uh, and and I always kind of feel like every single time I watch one, I'm like, oh, that's the best Tarantino film. It's <laughs> kind of how I feel almost every time.
0: Not for me, that's not the case for me. There's definitely ones that I have always had stronger preferences over than others, and there's one I haven't even finished yet, like I. I've started it and it just didn't grab me. Which one is that one? Jackie Brown.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jackie Brown is, pr- you know, that might be towards the bottom of my list if I if I were to rank all the Tarantino films, but even that one I still kind of enjoyed. But that one, the the problem with Jackie Brown is like that was that had such a proximity to Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs that it it was just noticeably not as good as those other two.
0: Yeah. And I really do have a I have a dear love for Reservoir Dogs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That one uh that one's got a scene of course like the stuck in the middle with you scene.
0: <laughs> oh, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, those are one of those you just can't get out of your head. No, you cannot. Mm-hmm. I can never hear that song the same <laughs> way ever again. Yeah, but Tarantino also does that with his music choices. I will say that's one thing this movie doesn't do is it doesn't have. I, maybe even because I mean, he didn't even he didn't really use period music for the movie. Mm-hmm. But but it also the soundtrack didn't overwhelm the film. So there's not like those moments like the stuck in the middle with you or the. uh or the the five six seven eights or the six seven eight nines the, the the when uh in kill bill when she's killing the the 99 you know there, oftentimes in tarantino you have a scene that because of the song that he's placed over the scene it just makes the scene like it's iconic and you never hear that song the, the same way again and this one i feel like the soundtrack wasn't over the soundtrack didn't overshadow any part of the film
1: no yeah i mean that would be the one thing if i were to tweak something this. i would have enjoyed a little bit more period music with it like to me that would have like it kind of jumped out a little bit i think the the beginning of chapter five uh, yes where she's yes. up in that really cool looking round uh window, window. overlooking the theater the, yeah. the 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 score that was brought in or the music that was brought in at the time it, it kind of like it didn't feel quite right to me that was yes. the one thing where i uh, i kind of feel like that would have been perfect to have something like you know orchestral or something like that that kind of like fit that era or that period i thought that would have you know I, I, I would have rather have seen that but i mean it was it was still fine but that was one thing that uh kind of jumped out at me
0: yeah i i agree i'm there i'm there with you
1: yeah so Scott, if you had the rate this thing score of uh one to five stars or zero
0: to, zero to five we'll say no, no movie's gonna be zero no not this show, not in this show. No. i'm gonna be honest I, I i when i went to my letterbox to record that i was watching the movie starting last night uh i historically had a score of four stars as i was re-watching it i was trying to decide it's not a five star movie for me, but I was trying to figure out if I would give it another half star, and right now I still feel like I'm secure in a four star okay for me right now.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I was probably at four stars somewhere in there. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Okay, I, I just enjoyed that much. It, like I said, it's uh, it's kind of like I think it's his his best cinematic film that he's done in terms of like feeling like it's a really nice, nice, evenly paced flowing story that doesn't like, it's not too jarring. Like there's no points mm-hmm. throughout it that are like jarring, like uh, some Tarantino films can be. Um, so from that standpoint, I, that, again, that kind of goes back to why I kind of feel like this might be his fa- my favorite film of his. But yeah, I'm going to give it about a four and a half because I mean, this is, this is, this film is close to perfection for me. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, that, it gets that distinction of four and a half. Cool. So, so Scott, now is the time.
0: I know. What what are we watching next? Okay, well, I have to tease it a little bit, you know. I okay, to, of course. I have to have my Tarantino-like suspense about what the movie's going to be. <laughs> okay. Now, can you remember where your mind was back in June? I know this is this is a struggle. This is, this is where are you thinking I was going with my pick.
1: uh I didn't know where you were going to be going, but I, I think I probably threw something out there like um, Princess Bride or something like that. I don't remember exactly what we would have talked
0: about at the time. No, no, okay, because I said that I, I we had talked about how we felt like our movies were kind of like our first four movies were kind of going down the same yeah. path and I wanted to take a hard left turn with the movies that I wanted with well, the movie I wanted to pick.
1: Well, and I took I took a soft left turn.
0: You took a soft left. Yep. Okay. So let's see if I can set the stage. Okay. Okay. It is it's a movie that came out in the last 20 years. Okay. It was a best picture winner. Okay. It definitely it it would distinguish itself from the movies we've been reviewing on this show so far. And it would be a movie that would definitely appeal to my wheelhouse. I'm not not figuring it out. Okay. I, I, I didn't know. But you you don't remember and I can't remember if you said this on air or off air it was like you're gonna pick a freaking musical aren't you and I was like damn Tim Ah. you got me
1: (laughs) okay I do remember kind of saying that
0: you do remember saying that we're gonna watch Chicago okay I'm
1: all for it yeah Chicago
0: I haven't seen Chicago in too long (laughs) I remember seeing that movie in theaters I love the show the Broadway show I love the movie more
1: all right Chicago wow I haven't I've only seen that one time so
0: I think I'm gonna be I know you're not into music but I think it's still just a good movie and as a movie musical, I feel like it's just a really well-made movie musical.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, it was Rob Marshall that directed that. Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Rob Marshall, yeah. you know, Richard Gere, yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renée Zellweger, Queen
1: Latifah's in it. Okay. Yes, she Lucy is. Lucy Lou. John C. Riley. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, it's been, this was what, a 2002 film. So yeah, it's been, I actually didn't see it in a the theater. I saw it like a year later as a panel. Okay. So yeah, it was, uh, so it's been 17 years since I've seen this film. So I don't remember a whole lot about it. And I don't know the stage play.
0: I saw it twice in theaters. Okay. It was a big, I mean, again, yeah, remember I, I was in college. I was getting my theater degree. So like, this was like, like, like all the theater nerds were like super excited for this movie when it came
1: out. Sure. Sure, sure well we're gonna get more of a jazz score right
0: yes yeah
1: like we had from uh, the first uh, episode
0: yeah candor and Ebb great great score for this movie yeah so okay. uh, like I said I'll be interested to get you to rewatch it uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting it and I'll just be interested I feel like there's a lot to talk about in
1: it absolutely okay yeah and this is a uh, uh let's see 113 minutes so a little bit short of two hours yeah okay all right well that's good it's a nice turn and I can't wait to reveal to you what I've got picked
0: oh you've already ooh, you've <laughs> oh you've already got yours. I've already I've already got it <laughs> woo <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Are you are you doing another soft left turn? Are we doing a hard right turn? Like where are we going back to like going back to basics? I mean, it's, it's gonna go, be a
1: it's gonna be a hard right turn. Ooh,
0: okay. <laughs> Can't wait. Well, before we get to your hard right turn, let's do my hard left turn.
1: Yes, absolutely. We will do that.
0: And all that jazz.
1: And all that jazz. <laughs> all right. Well this is good. Uh so I'll cue this one up, I'll get this one downloaded and uh you know, we'll we'll get this thing watched again. It's been quite a while. Can't wait. Yeah. Good good choice, good choice. I'm looking forward to Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. And it definitely very much very scottish
0: very scott very yeah. very, very very me that is and very i new. and i'm not ashamed of that whatsoever
1: it was only a matter
0: of time <laughs> it was only a matter of time yeah
1: and i'm ashamed that i forgot that i was thinking you were going to pick a musical
0: i know i was just like I, I when you said that i was just like you don't know how right you are oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah well cool all right okay well guys that's it for this review of inglorious bastards by quentin tarantino from 2009 thank you so much for listening we love doing these movie reviews so we want to hear from you you can read Reach out to us at Squadcast Movies on Twitter. You can reach me at DC 27
1: Yep, and then on Twitter, you can find me at Alan Fire. And, of course, you can email us at squadcastmedia at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this film. Let us know if, if we've encouraged you to go watch this thing. I'd love
0: to hear your reaction. And then, of course, you can also find us on Vero, Facebook, YouTube, our website. where We can find the entire network at squadcastmedia.com. And, of course, our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Media.
1: All right, well, that is it for this episode, Scott. Thank you to all of our listeners. We would encourage you to do what we do. Go out. But I'm just watching these films. Bye, Betty.